Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Customer Experience Radio. Brought to you by Heineken Company, real estate advisors specialized in corporate relocation. Now, here's your host, Jill Heineck. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this very special edition of Customer Experience Radio. I'm your host, Jill Heineck, and I'm, ex- uh, I'm a business owner a real estate advisor, and customer experience enthusiast. Today, we're going to pivot a bit and talk about the impact a company culture has on the customer experience. My guests today are two people committed to this, working with brands like GE Appliances, Cox Communications, Compass Group, Chick-fil-A, Keller Williams Realty, and the Intercontinental Hotel Group, Dr. Randy Ross has inspired and enabled countless people to find new passion and purpose in their work work better together in teams, and have greater influence and impact. He is a craftsman of culture and best-selling author of multiple books, including his latest, Relationomics, Business Powered by Relationships. Welcome, Randy. And then joining Randy and I is Scott McClellan, who serves as CEO of Touchpoint Support Services and Morrison Living, two Compass Group companies uh, that provide dining, nutrition, and environmental services to healthcare and senior living communities across the United States. Scott's companies have been known for their visionary strategies, providing a unified experience across healthcare and senior living, and has been ranked among the best places to work in healthcare. So welcome to Scott and to both of y'all. Thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you both have got got to this point in your careers. So Randy, why don't you just give us a little bit of background um, to your journey to this point? Well, I started off uh, in the not-for-profit realm. I worked with a lot of organizations that were uh, based upon volunteer activity, and that was a great time of my career where I had the opportunity to really gain an understanding that the most powerful force that drives people is to have a passion and a vision for something beyond themselves. And so then taking that knowledge into the for-profit world, is I'm able to help organizations see that monetary remuneration – their paycheck is not the drive, the big driver of human performance. It's really when they feel like they've engaged, their their values are consistent with the values of the organization, and they're able to make a contribution on a level uh, to drive a purpose forward that's bigger than themselves. Excellent. Um, and then, so you you began as uh, in corporate, um, leading a team, correct? Well, yeah, and I did help uh, help found and grow uh, some organizations in South Florida, uh, nonprofit organizations. Worked specifically in the faith based realm. Uh, I pastored a couple of churches, and then made a transition over into the the marketplace, and was able to take a lot of that same uh, purpose driven uh, life orientation into the marketplace to help people find more passion in their work. You know, one of the things I think that it helped me make that transition, Jill, as I stepped into boardrooms and started working with teams in the marketplace was the, the research that Gallup did showing that so few people had a passion around their work. Very few people were engaged. Less than 30% of the workforce is highly engaged, meaning that they bring you know, enthusiasm and creativity to the work experience. And I just thought that's got to change. Uh, that's not the way it should be. People should enjoy what they do and wake up in the morning excited about being a part of something that they feel like is bringing value to the world. And so um, I fell in love with this uh, area of study called axiology, uh, 
uh, which is uh, a, a strain of philosophy that talks about value creation and uh, someone's value construct, and then began to break that down and put that into an easily consumable uh, form that the organizational leaders could understand and use those principles in order to drive higher levels of uh, engagement, employee engagement, and client engagement. Uh, helping them create environments that really inspired their people to bring their best to work every day. Excellent. I love it. And Scott, give us a little bit about your journey as well. So I've been in the marketplace about 40 years. Uh, Almost all of that has been in either acute care hospitals and or senior care. So I've had the privilege of serving in a lot of different capacities uh, with those organizations. I've been on supply chain technology, um, been on the distribution side, been on the sales side, led operations, some light manufacturing, and uh, just been privileged over the last 20 years to be with a great organization that specifically runs food service and housekeeping um, in hospitals and retirement centers. My greatest diversion was probably back in June of 1999 when I left a big corporate job to uh, start a company um, out of my garage. Now, employee (laughs) number one, just sitting there with Not a computer, not a phone, not a dollar in the bank, not a customer, nothing. Um, And today that organization is actually $20 billion big and serves uh, customers all around the world. So that was a a fun but trying time. Uh, Remind us again what the name of that company is. It's called Food Buy. That's right. And I sold it to the company I work for today. That's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy to have you. So will you tell us a little bit more about what makes the Morrison story a compelling one? Yeah, whether you're talking Morrison or Touchpoint, uh, again, what we do kind of tactically is we provide food and facilities management to hospitals and senior care locations. My parent company does the same thing. So if you've ever been to a Hawks game or a Falcons game, we've fed you. If you've been to the World of Coke, the Georgia World Congress Center, the aquarium we fed you and or clean up after you. Uh, the two businesses that I'm responsible for include running cafe, cafes, you know, mostly our own, but also brands you'd know like Chick-fil-A and Starbucks. Um, we feed patients in the room, but we also do some highly specialized things. So we sterilize operating rooms, just as an example. We transport patients from place to place within either a retirement center or a hospital. And we just have the privilege of caring for people at the most vulnerable points of their lives. Um, but I think more than that, we are the largest in our industry. And we're the only is that is completely dedicated to what we do. Um, and so we have a, a lot of scale that we bring to the occasion um, that our customers just by themselves don't necessarily have. Um, and I think even more than that is our people um, and the sense of purpose that they have. These are some of the most compassionate people that you would ever meet. Um, And I'm humbled every time I get out and have the chance to visit with them. And we have a a corporate sense of purpose, but we also encourage people to live their individual sense of purpose as well. But our corporate sense of purpose for our seniors business is to be the best part of someone's day. And if you've ever been in a retirement community, you know that food is very often the best part of a senior's day. Um, And we're grateful to do that. But we also want to be the best part of each other's day or our vendor partner's day. Um, Anybody we come in contact with, we want to be the best part of their day. On the hospital side, uh, our sense of purpose is to provide compassion at every point of human contact. 
Um, and if you've ever been in a hospital, you know how scary that can be. And we want to be a warm, friendly, hospitable part um, of that stay. So if you combine the scale of being the largest, uh, the sense of purpose, and then a highly trained team, it just becomes a very compelling offer for our customers who just don't do this particular thing um, every day as their core competency. It is a special, it is a special niche. Yes. And you, you do have to have a special, you have to have that special something to work in that, in that niche, I think. Absolutely. And again, if you've ever met just any one of our frontline employees, you'd be changed forever. They're amazing <laughs> people. Yeah. I can only imagine. So, Randy, what were some of the observations that you made while working with Scott and his teams um, that would, you know, where was their where was their passion that you saw and how their teams were coming together? Yeah. Well, it's a great question. Scott and I started working together several years ago. Uh, he asked me to come and speak for him for his uh, national conference for Touchpoint. Uh, back in Indianapolis, uh, and we had a great opportunity to kick off our relationship there and got a chance to meet the team. And I think it's, as is with true any organization who has a stellar culture, Jill, it, it starts with the leadership. And I've known Scott now for a long time, and I can just tell you that the things that mark his leadership uh, are authenticity uh, and transparency. And for everybody in the life of the organization, you know, authenticity is when you're honest with yourself about yourself. Scott is one of those level five leaders. Uh, he's an incredibly humble guy. Uh, you can hear it in his, the tone of his voice. You can see it in his mannerisms. And, and one of the things that makes Scott so special is that when he meets with people, you feel like you're the only person in his world at that moment. He focuses on you. And that's true whether you're a leader that directly reports to him or you're somebody on the front line that he engages with as he walks through the facilities. So I think authenticity, but then transparency. Uh, Scott uh, knows what his strengths are. And he knows where his weaknesses lie. He surrounds himself with good people. Uh, and so I think that's the bonding of a good team. Uh, and then been able to cast a compelling vision. That's all a part of leadership. And Scott has not only been able to do that personally, but he's also got other leaders at the tops of the organization. And it just sort of cascades down and permeates throughout the organization that's clear on their mission. It's simple and it's compelling, but it's clear and everybody's captivated by that. I mean, compassionate every point of human touch. I mean, I can't think about any other mission statement that's more clear and compelling when you're talking about the healthcare realm right. and uh, being the best part of someone's day and everyone goes to work every day excited about making a difference in someone's story. Even if it's just through some small act of kindness or some gesture of goodwill. And so it starts with leadership, right. humility, authenticity, transparency that breeds a genuine environment. But then there's the mission, which is clear and compelling. And then the passion. I think one of the things that compass does really well across the board and specifically with Touchpoint and Morrison Community Living is that they help uh, connect the individual's passion with corporate objectives. In other words, they, they clearly show them the difference that they're making. They tell stories about the difference that they're making and it's just magnetic. And, uh, and so those things, and I, lastly, I would just say that <clears throat> through Scott's leadership, there's an emphasis on healthy relationships 
And there are so many corporate environments, you know that, Scott knows that, that are out there that are just toxic. Right. And people will wake up in the morning and they, they want to roll over, slap the alarm and go back. They drag themselves out of bed because they really don't want to engage in the day. Right. But when you create an environment where people play well in the sandbox together and they, they have a depth of relationships with one another, uh, it makes all the difference in the world. People are excited to get up to see what the day will hold and how they can make a positive difference in other people's lives. And I think that's what that's what Scott's been able to create. And it's not just only Scott, but he's been able to inspire that throughout the ranks. Right. And I think I want to talk about that a little bit further, Scott, on, um, you know, when you are empowering and inspiring your team and growing this amazing culture of passion um, and they are excited about what they're doing, they're appreciated. um, Where are you seeing that impact with the customer, you know, the end users? Well, I think, again, if you're caring for someone when they're at a very vulnerable state, um, kind of the end user, the patient or the resident just feels loved and cared for. Um, And we track the metrics of what our patient experience is like and our our resident experience is like. And so we know where that culture is working and where it's not. Um, So when you're talking about the patient or the resident, but I think when you talk about our clients, um, you know, they're in this business to serve others as well. Um, and they have this incredible heart. And so when someone comes in from the outside, one of their early concerns is, are you going to care for our patients, our residents and our people as much as we do? And we spend a lot of time talking about our culture and we spend a lot of time sharing other clients with them so that they can find out if that culture is authentic or not. And so I think what ultimately happens is when we come into a location, people ultimately feel like these people get it. Um, they're a thought partner, they're, they're a caring partner, and they're going to be able to do what they, they said they were going to do. And so it's, it's just very heartwarming to get messages from our clients to say, you know, they're often telling stories about what our people have done to, to care for their customers. And um, that's, that's really, that's, that's when you know you got it. And one of the greatest compliments, quite frankly, a customer can give me is we don't even think of you as Morrison or Touchpoint. We just think of you as part of our family. That's when I know that we really, really have done it right. Um, that, you know, our brand is invisible and their brand is forward. That's fantastic. So when we're talking about the employee experience, because that's what we're talking about here, the culture, the employee experience that is then translated to the, 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 deliver, the deliverables, right? Where you're caring for the customer or the patient. So what, is some, what are a couple of things that you feel like you're doing well when it comes to, you know, um, caring for your teams and getting them, you know, feeling yeah. excited and passionate? So we spend a great deal of time every year um, focused on associate engagement um, in terms of uh, surveying our team both live um, with third parties. Um, Randy's been a big part of that over the years and done a stellar job to help kind of ferret out things that may not be working. Um, But we built our entire uh, key performance indicator structure, our compensation structure around whether or not you're serving your associates. Um, And we've had Leaders in our business, quite frankly, who delivered great results, but also delivered the toxic culture that Randy was talking about. And what you have to do if you're truly going to be authentic about it is even if someone's driving results numbers wise, 
but the culture is bad, um, you ultimately have to pull that person from the organization. Um, and so we, we take the associate experience very, very seriously. And, you know, today it's kind of a, an overused uh, expression, but it, we've lived it for the past 20 years, um, which is, you know, we, a, a, an employee isn't going to treat their customer any better than we treat them. Um, and so really our primary customer is our, our own team um, right. and allowing them to succeed and thrive. Because if, they're, if they feel they can bring their full selves to work um, and kind of fully engage and to Randy's point, get out of bed, excited to come in and serve, then our patients and our residents are going to be cared for. That's right. So when you're talking to a client who's getting ready to uh, sign a contract to work with you, um, is there anything in particular that you share with them about the team that would be potentially serving that account um, that would excite this customer about working with you? So I don't know if I'm making myself clear, but what I'm thinking is like there, there, are, there are certain things that you say to a customer that you already have teams in mind that are going to serve that customer. And then what are those one, two or three things that you share with the customer before the service even begins? Yeah. So we spend a great deal of time before the very first day we serve. Um, and it's typically months, maybe even more than a year um, from the time we first engage a client until we're actually in running their operations. And really, when you're selling to a client, there are two primary things you're trying to sell. One is the culture and the strength of the national organization, but that is only so good as the local team that's there. And I think that's the point that you're making. And so we will very often bring in either one or two or three candidates mm-hmm. say, you, you pick, you know, you, you pick and here's right. their experience. Here's what they've delivered. Here's what they've done. And you tell us. In fact, we have a very large customer out west. We're doing that very thing right now. Um, we're, we're going through a, an interview with 10 customers. Um, so it's a, a Zoom call with 10 customers and one <laughs> candidate at a time kind of going through. But we think that relationship, that on-site delivery is that important. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly what I don't think you see a lot of companies doing that on the front end. I think you get a lot of assigned teams uh, once the account is signed and then they kind of just backpedal um, if something isn't working. But I love the proactiveness of that. And I think that makes such a huge difference and an impact. And then obviously impacts the business long term, right? Because you keep that customer and that account for for a long time, which is the customer isn't working. And we do have customers where there's just the fit is not right. Right. But if we're 30, 60, 90 days in and we're already missing the mark, we're not so much looking at the team that's on site. We're looking at the team that was looking at that customer to start with that Uh we missed what that fit might be. Right. Yeah. So Randy, so let's talk a little bit about um, the compelling culture aspect. And I know that we talk, you talk a lot in your books um, about the, um, client relationship and the healthy relationships that we're building internally. So how do you, how would you talk about coaching uh, a team to create a better culture um, so that they work better together? I know we talked about impassioning people to want to come to work, but can you give a few specifics? Yeah. Well, Scott just touched on probably one of the most important ones, and that's making sure that you take the time up front <clears throat> to make sure that the relational connectivity is strong. Right. 
And I think a lot of organizations, uh, they rush into the hiring process. Right. Uh, there's a formula that we use. So if, if you want remarkable results, there are two things that you have to do well. You have to hire remarkable people, and then you have to craft a remarkable culture. And a lot of organizations, quite frankly, Jill, they just don't take the time to vet people in the process to make sure they're bringing the best people on board or to Scott's point, you know, they spend months making sure that the chemistry of the team is right. And they've got the right leaders in the right places and that they're working well together. And I think that when you rush into a hiring process and you don't vet and get the absolute top tier of the talent pool that you're drawing from, that it's a critical mistake. And that's where many organizations find themselves just spinning their wheels or they're on a revolving door of hiring. And so one of the things that we've been able to bring to the table is a very insightful tool that helps organizations in the hiring process to make sure that the people that they're selecting are people whose values are strong. And we uh, are able to ascertain that they've got the emotional strength and stability to perform at a high level over the long haul. There's sustainability there. So that's one of the first things. I think you have to make sure that your hiring processes are solid that you take the time to get the right people because everybody would say, you know, if you get the people part, right, it makes so many other things easy because right. you don't have to light a fire underneath people. You just have to fan the flame within them. That's um, right. And so if you miss it on the hiring piece, then I can tell you as a leader, everything else gets hard. Right. Uh, you will perpetually be spinning your wheels, trying to get enough traction to move the organization forward. And so I think that's the first piece. And Scott alluded to that, getting the hiring piece right. And the second piece is getting the culture right. Uh, And that has to do with healthy relationships because we know intuitively, we know through experience, we've watched organizations that people and organizations thrive in relationally rich environments. Now we could spend a lot of time talking about what creates a relationally rich environment but it's a place where people serve one another. Uh, it's not a place that's driven by ego. And, you know, you see so much of that in the, the, the politics of corporate circles where people both self promote and they self protect rather than serving. Right. Because it's all about self interest. But I think leadership has to go beyond self interest in order to be effective. And so good leadership rallies people to a higher cause. And when we create this environment where people bring more to the table on a daily basis than they take away, it's such a simple concept. But if you bring more to the table on a daily basis than you take away, at the end of the day, there's a surplus. Right. And that surplus can be shared by everybody in the organization who helped to create that value. But when we're not careful, you know, we fall back to our natural propensity, which tends to be selfishness, unfortunately, for for all of us. And when you have a team of people who are all rushing to the table to take as much off of the table for themselves as they can, then it's not very long until there's nothing left on the table. You know, and when there's nothing left on the table, the game is over, go home. So one of the things that Scott has done really well in the organization is he's created this environment where people have this passion to leave a positive wake in their world. And when they do that, they, they lay their head on, the, on their pillow at night and they feel good about what they've been a part of having, you know, created. And I think that's a big key to the success of any organization. And that's the key to a good culture. 
You know, are people excited about working there? Do they feel like they're serving a greater cause than self? Are they making a positive difference in the world? And when you start making a positive difference in the world, you feel good. The organization grows and, and people will they will pay you know, top dollar for those things they deem bring true value to life. So when you bring more value than you take, I don't care if it's in real estate or if it's in healthcare, um, people, people will appreciate that and they will be drawn to that. That's absolutely right. I know that, um, and I know, Randy, you're familiar with uh, Gary Keller, Keller Williams, and a lot of our regional groups uh, like Bob Kalinsky, uh, et cetera, where, you know, Gary's always preached to us about hiring slow and firing fast. And that has a lot to do with what we've just discussed and that you want to take your time to find the right fit for your teams. And notice that um, when that isn't working any longer, that you are taking action quickly so that it doesn't poison the rest of the culture or the rest of the team action, right? So um, that resonates really strongly with me because he talks about building our own little groups inside of under the Keller Williams umbrella and really taking the time, which is painful for most real estate agents, um, to take the time to hire slowly um, because we don't have typically an HR department who screens through all of this and we don't have all the channels. But the point being, it's the same concept, right? To really take your time to find the right people that fit in your company culture. Um, well, here, here's how you have to think about it, Jill. Your, your culture is either strengthened or it's diminished by every single hire that you make. Right. And when you begin to think about it that way, then it puts a whole different perspective on the hire. It process. really, really does. Because one bad apple messes up the whole apple cart, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So I absolutely believe in that. Um, and so I think... Um, I'm curious to know if either of you have had any strange or interesting situations that uh, could be examples of what to do or what not to do, or what has worked well or what hasn't worked well in particular, anything that kind of stands out in your mind that you would want to share with our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) There, I, I, Maybe this is not as specific as as you're asking for, but it's interesting what I'm seeing take place right now. We're in a very strange time in our nation's history. Um, It's the first global uh, crisis that the millennials have really ever seen. And I'm seeing people respond to this in two different ways. I'm seeing some people who are purpose-driven and very passionate about what they do, and they're continuing to move about their daily lives with a sense of stability and peace this seems to anchor them and they're, they're more intentional about building relationships. They're more intent on serving. Well, that's on the one side, but then on the other side, I've seen this uh, response to the pandemic and the economic crisis that we're going through where there's, there are people who are panicking, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's frustration. And so I'm seeing this frenetic pace People are doing a thousand things and they're staying busy, but they're not making any progress. Right. Uh, And I see this, especially in social media. There's a flurry. People want to connect. They want to broaden their network of influence, which is kind of interesting because the reality is everybody who's trying to connect right now is kind of, there's a proposition coming. It feels Mm -hmm. like behind every social media invitation. This is not the time, I don't think, to broaden your network. Mm -hmm. This is the time you need to go deep. That's right. This is 
that you need to begin to, to lean into the healthy relationships that you've built in the past. Um, and the sad thing is, I think a lot of people through this whole pandemic have been forced to face themselves mm-hmm. and admit the fact that their relationships that they built across the years are extremely shallow. And so I think it's, it's a scary thing if yes. you don't like your own company and you're forced to face yourself. Um, and that's what I'm seeing with a lot of people. And there's uh, it, it, there's a frenetic activity that's not impactful. And so what I'm trying to encourage people to do is what a mentor of mine told me many years ago. Actually, we were going through you know the, the recession of 2008, 2009. He said, never waste a crisis. A crisis is an opportunity for change. And, you know, what comes to mind, I don't know if you remember the uh, Allstate commercial, that it was brilliant. It had Dennis Haysbert looking out over downtown Los Angeles. And he says this, he says, how will we look back on today as the great recession or the recession that made us great? I love that. And that, that's, that's a question we need to bring back today and ask ourselves all the time, how will we look back on this? Is this the great pandemic or the pandemic that made us great? And so one of the things I'm really focused on right now is trying to bring a message into the marketplace of hope because people just need hope, you know, fear, anxiety, depression, it all abounds. And people need to have hope that tomorrow can be better and they can have a say over how their life is going to impact the outcome. Um, and so, you know, when you lean into that, uh, that's the kind of strength that a good culture provides. It provides a sense of stability and we're all in this together. Yeah. So that brings me to a question for you, Scott. So what kinds of things are you doing for your teams to make them feel stable and secure in their jobs? So, um, first of all, just the wisdom you just heard from Randy um, is what we've had the privilege of getting for years um, in our business. And I'm also having the privilege of reading a manuscript of his new book and uh, just can't wait for that to come out for the rest of the world to see it and hear it. And if you haven't read Relationomics or Remarkable or his upcoming book, I really want to encourage you to do that. And I'd also encourage you to get Randy in to provide that kind of wisdom to your organization because... Um, Randy has helped build our culture um, over the years, and I think it's one of the best cultures in the industry, and Randy's been a big part of that. So I just didn't want to lose that wisdom that uh, that just <laughs> came across there. But, you know, for us, um, COVID has been um, an exceptional time, and I don't mean that in all just positive ways, right? It has been something that has dramatically changed who we are. Because uh, you can only imagine we are in the senior care industry and the hospital industry. So everything you're hearing on the news is what our people are living each and every day. And we've got one of two scenarios. Um, either we're totally overrun, like what you saw in New York. We have business in New York. Um, or everybody emptied out for the COVID crisis that never came in that particular community. Um, so we're either overrun or our people are, you know, kind of not having as much to do as they've, they've always done. So we're having to meet those unique needs differently, right? I mean, the people who are exhausted, it's how can we help? What resources can we bring in? Um, how can we complement what you're doing without getting in the way? And the people who are not having that kind of environment, 
And again, great wisdom from Randy. It's how do you deepen relationships there, both with your own people and with your clients as well, um, as you're going through that. And what we've gratefully done throughout all of this is we have just ramped up our communication, um, ramped up direction, ramped up how we're dealing with the crisis, ramped up the storytelling around what's happening in the crisis. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate in that uh, while many businesses have had to shut down, we're actually having, for the most part, the opposite experience. And people are connecting in like they never have. This is their chance to serve, their chance to live their purpose, their chance to be heroes, and they are heroes. Um, you know, they're walking into a life or death situation and doing it with a smile and a great attitude. And so the more other people can hear what's happening um, and be inspired by what's happening, um, the more you connect and make people feel stable and secure. Um, but, you know, providing direction and clarity and transparency during a time like this is more important than ever. And you're talking you're talking about internal communications, internal and external, yeah, yeah, um, helping yeah. our clients understand what we're doing as well. But we have in our organizations about 25,000 associates you know, spread across about 47 states. Um, and so you can feel isolated in that kind of environment. Right. Um, and so we've just had to ramp it up. Lots of videos, lots of phone calls, um, because we're not allowed to go in in person at this right. particular time. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, that is, I think, what would be a crisis communication protocol um, in a situation like this. That's I mean, right. any kind of challenge, I guess, challenge communication protocol when, you know, the employees want to know what's happened. It's kind of like you're on a plane and they're not telling you why you keep circling the airport, right? <laughs> so that is the most frustrating thing. Yeah. So I think that is, number one, the best thing you can do is to communicate um, over or over communicate in a situation like that. Right. So that's just going to keep people engaged and feel like they're, um, they're included. It's an inclusive feeling and that they're, um, they're important enough to know these details. Right. Um, so Randy, can you, uh, just share with our listeners again, how you define remarkable? Um, and I was, uh, listening to one of your videos or watching one of your videos and I love how you explain remarkable. I mean, you can look it up in the dictionary, but how are we applying it here? Yeah. Well, it's a dear uh, word, obviously, for us because it's the title of the book, but it's also the name of our organization. And remarkable just simply means that you provide a service or a product and you do it in such a way that you exceed all expectations. You, you blow people away. You go the second mile in terms of serving people. You, you do something to make their story better. Uh, and in doing so, what you do is you leave them with this irrepressible desire to talk about you and tell other people about the positive impact that you've made in their lives. And by its very definition, when other people are telling your story, when other people are remarking about the difference that you've made in their lives, then you have become remarkable. But remarkable also means that you you mark someone's life for the good. In other words, you leave an indelible impression upon them that's not easily erased. And so <clears throat> on, a, on a personal and a relational basis, we're talking about, you know, the, the culture of an organization, a remarkable culture is a place that is marked by three things. We call it the remarkable trilogy. And it's a place where people believe the best in one another. They want the best for one another. 
and consequently they expect the best from one another. So there's that first element of trust because nothing happens without high levels of trust, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking leadership. The second point is compassion and connection. We've talked about that compassion, at every point of human touch. And the third point is accountability. But a lot of organizations, they lean into accountability to get results before they've built a high level of trust and before they've established deep levels of connection. And, and that's a real challenge. So it's got to flow in that order. You know, believe the best in one another, trust, want the best for one another, compassion, and then expecting the best from one another. Because that's when you really begin to see teams grow and flourish. It's when we coach each other up and we call each other out to just a higher level of not only performance, but a higher level of living. And so that's what remarkable means to us. Scott, have you been able to have your teams been able to implement some of this, uh, some of these lessons from Randy? Yeah, so Randy has, say it again, just had a huge impact on our organization, and he's done so kind of corporately and individually as well. Um, And we've had Randy speak to our national meetings, uh, all our leaders coming together, hundreds of people, and he's always, out of a four-day session, the most highly rated speaker there. Um, And so he's reinforcing the culture that we want to build, but kind of more importantly is then Randy will be in small groups, having a chance to more uh, directly impact people um, and help them kind of understand what a remarkable culture is, how to implement it, what behaviors look like that. Um, Randy has helped us uh, learn how to hire right. Um, as we hire thousands of people every year and that can get kind of uh, become mm-hmm. busy work when it's, as mm-hmm. we've discussed, the most important thing that we do. And so Randy's had a huge impact on both my companies um, and people still to this day will talk about things that Randy might have done five, six, seven years ago. Um, and that lesson has stuck with them that long. So we've absolutely had the chance to benefit from everything Randy's had to offer. Suffice it to say that Randy is remarkable. He's remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> He's leaving an indelible mark on your teams. That is the point, right? That's correct. Yeah. But, you know, that trilogy that, that Randy just referenced, you know, that's powerful. Um, and it's, it's, it's very often to say you have a great culture, but when you hold it up against a standard like that, and I just hold it up against, you know, my own actions and behaviors and thoughts, um, it really challenges you um, to, to decide whether you're, you're doing that or not. And um, I, I love those kind of convicting questions and thoughts that, that force you to think differently and act differently. Well, and like, as Randy said earlier, you know, this kind of time where we are in today forces you to look internally and be realistic about what is maybe what needed to be changed for many, many months or many years. And now you're being forced to look and internally and make those changes. And I think when you have the tools that Randy provide, provided your teams, um, you have that library of tools that you can look back on and say, okay, well, we're in a time where we probably need to go ahead and exercise that. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies are missing that. I think a lot of companies are going to continue to miss the mark and wonder why they go away after this time, potentially, um, yeah. because of the wrong the, the, the wrong formula happening inside the culture. Right. That's right. Um, so what, um, so let's say Randy, why don't, do you have a couple pieces of actionable advice or tips that you might 
share with our listeners this morning? Um, creating a, a great culture or, you know, you, whatever you want to share with us, we'd be happy to have. <laughs> I appreciate that. And this has been, this has been great. And Scott, thanks you for being so gracious about your comments. But I think during this period of time, the thing that we all need to do is um, do the hard work of introspection. This is a time for personal growth and development. You know, I think that we've, we've slowed down. The world has pushed the pause button. Uh, we're sort of uh, in some ways off the hamster wheel. In some ways, we're running harder than we ever have before, right? Mm-hmm. God is scrambling to keep up with his teams. There are so many industries that are necessary, and, and they're, they're exhausted, quite frankly. Uh, and frustrated with the current situation. So the only way that you can keep people engaged is to help them grow personally. Uh, and we've got to bring a better self to the table every single day. When you talk about culture, culture starts with you. Well, what's the disposition? What's the mindset? How are you dealing with your own challenges on a daily basis? Because the effect that you bring into the work experience is going to have an impact on other people. And so I think that probably during this time, more so than ever before, we are forced to confront ourselves. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you've seen probably on uh, social media, the, the guy who's being asked is during this pandemic, would you, um, would you a like to be able to be confined in your home with your wife and kids or B and he goes, B, 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 I'll take B. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's funny, but it's, it's true because all of our relationships are being tested right now. That's right. And we're being forced to have to look at ourselves and go, well, wait a minute. How does this, how does this apply to me as a leader? Mm-hmm. How does this apply to me as a business owner? How does this apply to me as a spouse? How does this apply to me as a parent? You know, what, what am I bringing to the table? What's the self that I have to contribute? Mm-hmm. And I think the best thing for anybody to do during a period of time like this is to seek feedback on how you can grow personally and make strides to look deep within to make sure that you're bringing the very best self to the table that you can bring, because that's where all good leadership begins. That's right. And how about you, Scott? Any tips or words of wisdom for leaders like yourself who are, you know, working through this pandemic and trying to really keep and inspire, motivate your teams to bring their best selves every day? Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe a a cliche, but Again, it's one of those standards that you don't always necessarily actually live up to. And that's just to listen, listen to your clients, listen to your people and listen deeply. I think so often when we come to leadership, we have an agenda that we're trying to push. Um, When we're selling a client, you know, the sale very often is our goal. Um, But if you turn that around to actually want to deliver value, what Randy's been talking about this whole time and listen deeply to what people are asking for, um, whether it's your own people or your customers. Um, I think you think differently, act differently, and then you succeed differently. We have the privilege of leading the largest client in the world for our organization. And when they're asked um, by other people, my goodness, how did they win the business? What he says, they actually listened to us. You know, they actually cared more about what we were trying to accomplish than what they could get out of the deal. Um, And so I think that's equally as true for your people. Um, When you actually listen to what is important to them, um, you connect at a very deeper level. So uh, it's a cliche, but I don't think we always actually do it, even though we might say we're doing it. I appreciate that so much. And I really appreciate both of you and your time and insights 
um, especially um, in a time like this when we're when we're called out, zoomed out, videoed out, and taking the time to carve it out for us. We really appreciate it. And um, I really want to thank everybody for listening. I'm proud to share this show with you. And these stories, to me, you know, it shows how companies are prioritizing the customer experience, you know, as well as the employee experience um, as a legit business strategy. You know, it's not just about the numbers. It's not just about how many accounts can we get. Reminding us that no matter what business you're in, healthcare, real estate, consulting, um, the entertainment, the uh, customer experience is always the heart of the business. And really appreciate your time today. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you.